0: Wild Wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast. This segment has been taken from Thrive Thursdays with Dr. Patricia Mills. I hope you enjoy this episode, and here is Dr. Patricia Mills.
0: (sighs) Welcome. I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, and I'm a medical doctor, a holistic practitioner of functional medicine. And I'm a passionate advocate for your health. And today, I really, really think it's important that we focus on the topic, this very, very crucial topic of how to be healthy on a plant-focused diet, okay? And this is really important, actually, no matter what kind of diet you're on, like you might be thinking, well, I'm not vegetarian and I'm not vegan. This is not exclusive to people who are vegetarian or vegan, okay? And because this is a Facebook Live, uh, I want to say hi to the people who are joining me. So hi, Anna from Toronto. That's wonderful. Thank you for putting your name and where you're calling in from in the comments. It's really fun for me to see that. And feel free to ask questions because even for people who are watching this replay later, your questions are probably the kind of questions that they wish that they had asked. So please feel free to put in your questions. So when we talk about um, um, diets, you know, I don't like that word, but it is a common word. So I'm going to use it. And you could say like a food plan or a way of eating. And most of us, with the exceptions of like the carnivore diet, which is like a whole other topic, which I will get into one day. Personally, I think that that's not a long term way towards sustainable, vibrant health. So on the most part, most, um, most people in the health field are pretty clear on the fact that we should be eating um, plant food. Right. So what's plant food? food plant food are your vegetables they're your whole grains like rice and uh oats uh quinoa teff millet um amaranth then you have your nuts you have your seeds um you have your legumes and then there's some funny kind of categories like pseudo cereals where um they're not actually um grains they're seeds uh, but we call them like people tend to cook them as if they were grains and so those are your quinoas and your amaranths for example okay and buckwheat as well buckwheat is actually not a wheat product it's a seed it has no uh, wheat product in it Um, I don't know why they call it buckwheat very confusing for the general population and what's important to know is that you know For example, the way that I eat um, is uh, I eat like 80% of my plate is some kind of vegetables. okay, and then I have um, some kind of starchy um, things. So it's either a starchy vegetable like a sweet potato, right, is a very starchy vegetable, or I'll have a starchy whole grain or a pseudo cereal like uh, I'll have like white basmati rice palm size of my hand or quinoa. Uh, or maybe some legumes, right? And then because I'm not vegetarian or vegan, I do have, um, some animal protein, some happy animal protein. Again, about the palm size of my hand, um, of grass fed, um, pastured, wild caught, um, you know, organic, hormone free, antibiotic free. And, and because I don't eat a lot of meat and I don't eat it necessarily with every meal, I focus, I decrease my focus on quantity and I increase my focus on quality. So 80, you know, like uh, about, you know, 90% of my dish, and if you're vegan or vegetarian, 100% of your dish could be composed of plant foods, which means that you have to really understand plant foods to know that there's this like um, delicate balance with plant foods. And so plant foods, every plant food contains what we call nutrients and anti-nutrients. So we're all familiar with the nutrients. So on a macro level, those are carbohydrates protein uh fat right um and then fiber which is like a kind of a carbohydrate that your body can't digest but is digested by the microbiome in your gut um and then the micronutrients are things like vitamins uh minerals and phytonutrients which are like these very unique plant chemicals that also give the plants color um, even the brown color and the white color are phytonutrients that are providing, um, you know, uh, like kind of superpowers. Each each plant has its own kind of unique superpower based on those phytonutrients. Those are the nutrients. However, plants also have what we can call anti-nutrients, which are um, toxins. They act like toxins in our body. And you'd be like, well, why do plants have that? Well, it's an evolutionary process that occurred over time. And first plants evolved with things like insects and bugs, and they didn't want to have like, themselves decimated by these um, predators, these herbivores. So they, pu- they created mechanisms within themselves that are protection mechanisms, and they're, they're anti-nutrients, and you might know them, they're chemicals, so the plants create their own chemicals to protect themselves, because they can't run, they can't move, right? So they're stuck in place, so the only way they can protect themselves from being overeaten not not eaten so you can eat eat plants but it's when you eat them in certain amounts that it starts to become harmful if you don't neutralize these anti-nutrients what are these anti-nutrients those are things like lectins um, oxalates saponins tannins phytate um, to name a few some would categorize phytoestrogens as an anti-nutrient i don't actually i think that in small amounts phytoestrogens can from, from example, soy can be quite helpful. However, in order to get the, the the benefits of the nutrients, you have to neutralize or reduce the amount of the anti-nutrients. And there's many reasons why we know this. One reason we know this is because traditional cultures, like if you look at the Mediterraneans, if you look at people in places like Morocco, Turkey, Asia, Africa, Brazil, where I'm from, uh, South America, other countries in South America... Um, where traditional cultures have been cooking, have either brought over their traditional cooking methods with them or they're in the place where the traditional cooking methods were developed, which is primarily like Europe, Asia, right, um, and Africa. What you want to know is that they have very specific ways of, of, of preparing their whole food, their plant foods. And I don't know why they, like, uh, when I went to Peru, for example, I asked, I said, why do you... Um, soak and then ferment your quinoa. So, people in Peru, for example, they don't just like take their quinoa, put it in water, boil it until it's soft, and then eat it. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> they soak it, they then ferment it, and then they cook it, right? Why? Because they eat large amounts of it. It's a staple food for them, right? So, it's not like they go into nature and they pick a little bit and they cook and they eat it. They're eating like, you know, a dish of quinoa. Um, during the day and the same thing in Brazil like in Brazil um, the staple in Brazil is a rice and beans dish and then you add on your vegetables and your meat well in Brazil you take your rice and the same thing with Asian countries anyone who um, you know has a grandmother or mother who's still cooking their traditional way even in other countries they know that you take your rice and you soak your rice in water And for at least 30 minutes in Brazil, they would start it either at nighttime the night before or the morning time of the day that they're going to cook it. And they would soak it and then they would rinse it, rinse it, rinse, rinse, rinse the water until the water came clear. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why that, why that is like what specific gains you have from that. And what I want you to know is they did the same thing with the beans. So you would take black beans, for example, and they would soak the beans from the night before and then drain and drain the water in the morning, put more water in, drain it again, maybe if they remembered it through the day, pour more water in at least once in that morning. And then they would take those beans and then they would pressure cook it. Okay. And, um, I never, I just took that for granted. I didn't even know that why they were doing it. And I don't even know if they know if they knew what they were doing, why they were doing, but in Peru, for example, I asked and a few of the people in Peru were like, well, we soak and ferment our quinoa because that's just the way we were taught. And then some of them were like, well, our, um, my grandmother told me that if we don't do that, it'll hurt our gut, like it'll hurt our tummy, and you'll get sick over time. So that's very interesting, right? And then I was like, okay, so I've been observing that. And then I read the book, Plant Paradox by Dr. Stephen Gundry. And, and he was the first one who like, kind of put on paper, for me anyways, afterwards, I went into the research, and I realized that it's, it's been researched for decades, <laughs> This is not new information. It's been researched for decades. So um, the the fact is that there are these, and the one that Dr. Gundry um, focused on was lectins. But there's also the ones, that, the other ones I mentioned, the phytate and the oxalates and that kind of stuff, right? And hence his book, The Plant Paradox, because there's nutrients and the anti nutrients. So these ancient uh, cultures have been purposefully taking their foods and doing things to them, to the plants, to the grains, to the vegetables, and in order to minimize the content of these antinutrients and and little did they know that only was it decreasing the content of these antinutrients it was also increasing the content of the nutrients let me give you an example so phytate or phytic acid phytic acid is um like in the in the chemical state of protection of the of the grain it's um it's uh it's damaging it's it's a uh, phosphate with a myoinositol and if you're familiar with inositol, it might be through the research of PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, where it's one of the supplements recommended to be given for people um, with also insulin resistance like prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. It helps the body become resensitized to um, blood sugars okay, in a good way. So anyways, you have this phosphate with this inositol compound, but they're bound together. And in the bound state, it's phytate. And in that state, if you, if you take that food in, it's still in that state, it doesn't get broken down in the gut. It's resistant to the, to the acid in your gut. It then makes it down into the small intestine. And in the small intestine, it binds to the lining of your gut and causes the gut to start to not function well. And what does that mean? It means it creates leaky gut. There's um, uh, channels that are not supposed to be open, open up. They're called sodium ion channels. Too much information. But I just want you to understand that this is scientific. This is not like woo-woo stuff. This has actually been shown to happen. And it actually causes that lining of the gut to um, malfunction so much that you can actually um, not only are you not getting the nutrient, because the other thing is that 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 phytate binds to uh, minerals that you want in your body, like zinc, magnesium, calcium, phosphate. It binds to those minerals and then it does the harm and then you poop it out. And now it's pulling all the minerals that you actually want to go into your body. So you don't get those minerals. Plus, you get the harm. Okay. The cool thing is that if you know how to properly prepare that food so that that phytate molecule breaks down into phosphate and inositol, now they don't attract those minerals. They don't bind them. So those minerals are available. So then you eat your food because you've broken it down with the food preparation, the soaking, the fermentation, the sprouting, the germination. Those are all things that have been shown to break down those compounds. Now you've got those compounds separate you eat them it goes into your body and then your body doesn't do any harm because phosphate and inositol are nutrients separately they're nutrients it's like two people where like let's say there's like a, a guy and a girl and on their own they're really great but when they get together there's a couple they're toxic it's like that so you have to like find out ways to uncouple them and then they like are more service to society on their own than together right and then your body absorbs the phosphate, absorbs the inositol, and now like you're getting your supplements from your food. You see what I'm saying without the harm. So it's this amazing thing where if you take the time, and this is the thing where people are like, "Oh my goodness, what you're describing to me sounds like instead of instead of taking um, my quinoa and cooking it, and my rice and cooking it, or my beans and cooking it, you know." In, um in nuts and 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 soaking it because nuts also have a lot of phytate right? all nuts all seeds they all have these why because the nuts and the seeds and the beans they're like the babies they're the babies of the plant so the plant needs to prote- protect its babies the most the other place where it puts a lot of protection is in the skin. And particularly the nightshade vegetables, like tomatoes, eggplants, white potatoes, not sweet potatoes, but potatoes, peppers, they all have a lot of their lectins in the skin. So when I went to Morocco, for example, they would sit there and they would actually like they, you know, in the desert, like where they, you know, you would think that they would just be like cooking, whatever. No, in the desert, they would take their tomato, take their, they wouldn't have a cutting board because they would be too sandy. So they would cut their tomatoes in their hands. They would take the knife. And they would cut the, the tomato in this beautiful way that allowed them to take out the seeds and take out the skin. And in Italy, they make their pasta sauces out of strained tomatoes. They don't, they don't have skin and seeds in their pasta sauces, if you've noticed, or in their pizza sauces, right? So I, for example, buy strained tomato sauce to make my sauces with. Um, and there's ways that you can take off the skin of a tomato, like Drop it in boiling water for a few seconds, or put it in a glass of like cold water. After you've made a, like a little kind of X on the top, and the skin just kind of peels back, and then you just keep peeling the skin, and then you open and deseed it. So there are things you need to do. And for example, like in with peppers, they'll often roast the pepper, put it in a paper bag, and twist it, and then the skin comes off, and then you take out the seeds, and you're left with the meat of the pepper. That's the proper way to eat a pepper, according to this concept. Okay. And so it's really, really important that you understand that when we're talking about eating for um, a plant focused diet, you do need to put in the time in order to properly prepare your foods. And you'd be like, well, that's so much time. And I would say, actually, it's not that much time once you get into the habit of the night before thinking about what you want to cook the next day. Okay. Because when you think about it, The extra time is actually just taking that grain, taking that nut, taking that seed, taking that pseudo cereal, that quinoa or the amaranth, putting in buckwheat, putting it in water, filling it up so the water's like at least two inches above that level, okay? And then with, with nuts, for example, I put in a tablespoon of sea salt. With buckwheat, I put in a teaspoon of baking soda, why? There's a lot of mold sometimes in these grains. And so the this baking soda neutralizes the mold. And with um, and the nice thing about the sea salt, the sea salt is also a really great way to like neutralize any sort of like organisms in there. And it adds a nice salty flavor to the nut. So it's kind of like now you're like um, adding and sometimes I'll even put vitamin C powder because then the vitamin C soaks into the food. And it's a great preservative. We know that. Um, vitamin c is the citric acid that they use in preservatives and also it's great for your body we don't make our own vitamin c so now i'm habit stacking you see now i'm maximizing my nutrients minimizing my anti-nutrients the next day all i have to do is drain that water and if it's the nuts i have to dehydrate them and if you're wondering about how to do this if you're in my facebook group wild wisdom for women with dr patricia mills md if you go to the featured tab there's a free ebook And in that free ebook, I give you two recipes related to this topic. One is how to probably soak and dehydrate your nuts in your oven. You don't need a dehydrator. And the other one is how to make an overnight soaked oats because a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, I I can't eat oats because it it irritates my stomach. And I I think to myself immediately, they're probably not soaking and fermenting their oats. So I give you a recipe there for how to soak and ferment oats. So if you do this with your rices, with your beans, with your grains, um, um, with your nuts and your seeds, what happens is that now you're 80 to 90%, to 100%, especially if you're vegetarian or vegan, this is so important if you're vegetarian or vegan, I can't stress this enough, um, then you're going to be able to um, eat your food, knowing that it's all getting in there, it's not damaging the lining of your gut, because when you damage the lining of your gut, you you ruin your digestive health. You ruin the ability of your body to take in your nutrients properly. And then over time, even though you're eating a healthful plant-focused or plant-based diet, you'll notice that your health starts to deteriorate over time. You might start to get some, you know, diarrhea or constipation or some bloating or some kind of abdominal, you know, like you're like putting weight on in the, uh, around the abdomen because the, the fat around your abdomen can get inflamed from the gut lining damage. And remember that a lot of your hormones are made in your gut. I don't know this, but a lot of your hormone production is in your gut. So when people say to me, I want to balance my hormones or I want to heal my gut, it's both. And when you properly prepare your foods, when you properly prepare your foods in this way with the soaking and the pressure cooking or the long time cooking of the beans, with the overnight soaking and fermenting of, um, you know, certain um grains like uh, oats and lentils even lentils research i i dove into the research this weekend to be really ready for this talk and it's amazing three days of lentil fermentation caused the lentils to like completely transform into another type of food that was like a superfood there was so many more nutrients so many less anti-nutrients it was kind of amazing actually so i have some lentils sitting on my counter and they have been there for three days and I'm going to cook it tonight. So the only time really, when you think about it, is the time that it takes for you to fill it with water, put whatever salt or baking soda, whatever it is that you're going to add there, your probiotic with the fermentation. So I, um, in the ebook, I give you my favorite probiotic that I use for fermenting. You can buy it at your local health food store. It's very safe. They studied it in, in, in infants. It's called Saccharomyces boulardii, B-O-U-L-A-R-D-I-I. And you can just open up the capsule, put it in that water. And if you put it in the oven with just the light on, it keeps it in a warm environment. But if you can just put it in a warm place in your kitchen with like a little cheesecloth on top, for example, just so nothing falls in. After a day, two days, three days, you'll notice that it's fermented and it's amazing. Like you just drain the water and then you cook it. Yes, you'll need less cooking time and you'll need less water because it also the water soaks into that product. So for example, when I cook with rice, instead of doing like a two to one, um ratio of water to rice i have to do a one-to-one but you have to play around with that it depends what rice you're using are you using a white rice a basmati rice a jasmine rice and by the way this is the reason the anti-nutrient theory is um and well fact actually in terms of what it what that fact that it exists the anti-nutrients is that i don't eat brown rice i don't eat brown rice um, because a lot of those um, lectins those anti-nutrients are on the outside of the lining of the rice to protect the rice from being from those insects right those early evolutionary herbivores why do you think asians like the asian culture put so much effort into taking off the husk of the rice and having white rice i mean it's a lot of work right to take that off in the short term, if you're like in a starving condition, like in a in a concentration camp, you might, um, you, you know, you will risk the anti-nutrients to get more nutrients because yes, that, that husk has nutrients in it. It does have nutrients in it. It's not like inert material. It has nutrients in it. What I'm saying is that if you continue to eat that day in and day out through a period of time, over time, those anti-nutrients that are with those nutrients will start to erode the lining of your gut. And then the tipping point happens where you start to get harmful effects from these foods and not healthful effects from these foods so because we are not in a concentration camp we are not in starvation situations we do not need those nutrients in that husk of the brown rice or that brown grain so much that we're going to risk the anti nutrients we can actually have that beautiful white uh, basmati rice which is a whole grain a, uh, not the quick kind or the you know instant oats but you want that, you know, you want the, the rolled oats, you want the whole grain white basmati rice or white jasmine rice. You want to soak it for at least 30 minutes, ideally, you know, eight hours at least. Drain that water, rinse. Uh, if it's the rice, rinse, rinse, rinse. If it's the oats and you fermented it, you don't have to rinse it because the yeast eats all the, like, the sugars. But if you haven't fermented it, drain that water too to get rid of that flour, the oat flour, and then you cook it. So I hope you found this helpful. Um, I'm trying to keep my talks to about 25 minutes because um, I've had feedback that for some people it's really hard to spend a lot more time on a talk than that. And um, please feel free to ask your questions. And if you don't have any questions, that's wonderful. If you don't have any now, but if you have any questions moving forward, whether you're watching this here or someplace else like a U- my YouTube channel, Dr. Patricia Mills MD, um, feel free to put your questions in the comments. And if you tag me, Um, then it directs my attention even faster to that comment because sometimes if I, you know, I'm, I'm, I might miss it if I'm, if I'm not tagged on it and that'll allow me to come in and answer your questions for you. Okay. So I hope you found this useful. Um, it was fascinating to me when I discovered it. And what I can tell you is that since I adopted this way of eating, my digestive health has been just so much better. And. While I'm not someone who says you have to eat vegetarian or vegan to be healthy, I personally do eat um, animal, happy animal protein. When I'm working with people to be healthy on a vegetarian or vegan diet, this is a non-negotiable because you. It also increases the availability and use of protein in these foods because all of these plant foods have protein, but you can't utilize the protein with those anti-nutrients on board. They kind of interrupt your ability to take up this protein, right? So. This is really, really key and very important step towards having a healthy plant-focused or plant-based diet. So I'm just checking again, it looks like no questions. looks like it was crystal clear or so muddy that you even have to like, you know, find the clarity around your questions, but feel free to ask them later. And thank you so much for joining me live. And and thank you for watching this replay. I hope you have a lovely day, evening or night, depending on when you catch this, okay? Bye. Thank you so much.
1: Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info.com at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health.